Welcome to She Wakes Up, a podcast where you are granted permission to rise above your past, crush your fear and self-doubt, and go after the future of your dreams. I know life has taken over and has driven you to a place where you feel lost and scared and you have no idea how you got here. You just feel stuck in your job, relationships, motherhood, all of it. I see you and you're in the right place. I'm your host, Stacey Feeling, and I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been where you are. I was lost in abuse, finances, anxiety, poor health, you name it. I was up and down for years trying to fix myself on the surface. What I found was the real damage in need of fixing came from the inside. And so it was. If this is you, come hang with me. Grab a drinky drink and maybe a pint of some ice cream because we are skipping the small talk and getting right to the juice. Because girl, it's time to wake up. Welcome back to another episode of She Wakes Up. We have Amanda Lee with us today. And Amanda and I resonate on not such a happy, bright topic, but these are some of the conversations that we need to have. And um, she was brave enough to reach out. And I want her to just share a little bit of her story because when I first heard about Amanda's survival um, and how she was able to overcome some very similar, but yet different things that I have expressed throughout this podcast. And so she's a trauma and domestic violence survivor, and we're just going to hear her, have her share her story and open up to, um, what it was like when she was on the inside, because I know a lot of you are still struggling in that messy middle space. And we know exactly what that feels like. And so our goal is to help you get up out of that space. And Amanda's here to share, uh, what helped her, um, and, you know, making sure that you know that you're not alone in that. So she's also an author of one of the lucky ones and Amanda, I welcome you to, she wakes up, please just share a little bit more about who you are, what brought you here and all the things that you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And I love the title of your podcast because we were, spoiler, we were talking before the podcast and you and I were both talking about our shared experience and we couldn't quite put our finger on what was the, the catalyst that made us realize what an abusive relationship we both were in. And it was like, all of a sudden I woke up and it's such a poignant title because it is all of a sudden you just wake up and you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Yeah, you can't explain it. Um, yeah, you can't explain it. You can't explain it um, unless you've gone through it. But again, thank you for having me. I um, I wrote a book called One of the Lucky Ones, and it is about my journey into an abusive marriage and eventually escape and also the the aftermath, which no one talks about. No one tells you how awful, like once, you, once you're able to escape, how awful that escape aftermath is. Uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, my hand was forced one night. Uh, my ex-husband threatened to kill me and my children and burn our house down. And I had to grab my two small children. They were five and four at the t- five and three at the time, and we had to run for our lives. And at that moment, it was call the police, survive, do what I had to do. Um, and it's like I said, my my book is really it's what led to that what happened and then the aftermath, which is, I think statistically it shows that the, um, 
that the most dangerous part for a domestic violence victim, survivor, however you want to label us, is right when you leave, right when the abuser realizes that they don't have control over you. And that's something no one, no one truly knows unless you've gone through it, right? Like it's, everyone talks about being in the cycle of abuse and finally escaping, but no one talks about trying to get out once you've gotten out, trying to deal with that trauma and also trying to deal with your ex abuse or losing control. Yeah. I know that all too well. When you think, and I don't, you can tell me if this was the same for you or not, but when I was in it, it, the hardest hurdle that I had to overcome was how am I going to be on my own? And you try to figure out the details of that and actually getting out and coming up with the plan to get out is a huge, huge challenge to, oh, yeah, absolutely. to figure that out, especially when you have kids, yeah. you know, then you're thinking of them as well. And yet when you finally do cut the cord and you are able to get out, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Can you, can you talk more about that? Cause I, I totally feel you. And I know that anybody that has ever experienced that type of a relationship or anybody that's in that messy middle can understand that, that strength of that control from not just being in it, but also escaping it. Yeah. So like, at first you feel like this relief, like I don't have to walk on eggshells anymore. Like I'm, I'm free, but then it's the reality of, okay, so how am I going to do this as a single parent with two small children? How am I going to survive? And then you come up with a plan and also, you know, something no one talks about as well as you're mourning the loss of a relationship and the life that you thought you were going to have. And I am not by any means trying to sympathize with an abuser by any means, but at some point you were in a relationship with them and you did love them. So there is a little bit of mourning that has to go into that as well. And not having the thought of the life that you thought you were going to lead. And then couple that with the abuser realizing they have no control over you. And that's when stalking begins. That's when manipulation with the kids begin. Uh, For me, it was my ex had convinced one of our neighbors to gain access to their camera that pointed right at my driveway so that he could monitor what was happening at my house. Yeah, that's so scary. Mm -hmm. And to even think, because that, that's not something that's on your mind of that's really scary is the capabilities that the abuser can have Mm -hmm. that you, you don't anticipate, you don't see because that wasn't part of their typical behavior, but then like you flip that switch and they are not in control and they will sit there and manipulate, um, you know, and a lot of that's where that cycle of abuse continues is because so many people go back because they feel guilty um, yeah. for being, you know, and, and they do such a good job of manipulating you back into that relationship. But then uh-huh. it's just, you had no clue. The no. And it's also the manipulation of other people. Like I, I don't know about you, but it never occurred to me that no one would believe me. I was always like, well, I'm the victim. Like this happened. Obviously this happened. I wouldn't lie about this. And then all of a sudden people started to believe him. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Why would I make this up? Especially when they've seen the writing on the wall for years. Like my ex's relatives would literally tell him like, you better watch out because she's not going to stick around if you continue to treat her that way. But at the same side of that, I've heard people ask 
the, the victim, like, well, what did you do to upset them? Right. Like it justifies the fact that you're getting abused mm-hmm. by something that you had said. And I'm sorry. Yes. I understand that words can be very toxic and hurtful, but that never gives anybody justification to provide physical or mental or emotional harm on somebody else. Absolutely. And I, I went through the same thing. I thought his mom was my biggest ally. And in fact, at one point she told me I should pack a bag and leave it in my car in case I needed to leave quickly. Cause that's what she does. Wow. And for what, and this, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Like looking back, I'm like, what, what were you thinking that this was normal? But then after everything happened, she um, told me I threw her son out with the garbage and couldn't believe that I sent him to jail. Yeah. It was my fault. It's interesting. The, you know, and I'm a big, like science nerd, psychology nerd. I just, Mm -hmm. that's who I am. And so I think of the psychology of how that person was raised and you see that enabling relationships Mm -hmm. throughout their growing up, um, can really mold somebody's behavior. And I saw that so much in my ex that he was enabled so much that he could do no wrong. He could literally do something that I would, I would physically see with my own two eyes and call him out on it. And he would literally mm-hmm. lie as if I were, yeah, and then twist it. And then you're like, wait, did I see that? But he would do that to the people that had, who had enabled him all of his life. And it was just like, no sweat. Of course. Why would you have done that? You wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets you. So like twisted into that cycle. Is mm-hmm. they're so good at like snowing you over, you know? Yeah. And, and like Absolutely. you said, at one point you cared about them. And so your yeah. goal is to not break up a family. Your goal is to, you know, stick to your vows and, and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the grass isn't greener and all those things that you justify and you keep telling yourself to stay. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. So can we talk about that journey of like how you were able to keep moving forward when you kept getting that push and knowing that it wasn't right for you, despite having those feelings, despite having the kids, despite not knowing how you were going to even survive, mm-hmm. what kept you moving forward? Um, well, I stayed for, I stayed because we had small children and we had, we had kids almost immediately. We were married a year and I was pregnant. And then my son was nine months old and I was pregnant again. Um, so then I was in a haze of, of just trying to survive the abuse and raise two small children. And I, once I woke up, once I realized what was happening, then it became, how do I leave safely? And my door, my door was forced open. I mean, he, the man had a gas can in one hand and a lighter in the other and was rounding the corner. And I, I was not going to stick around to see if he was going to carry through his threat. I ran to my neighbor's house who was a police officer at the time and called 911. And I think what really like pushed me not to go back was a couple of things. One, the police were now involved. I had a protective order. Um, and I was told several times when we were going through the protective order process that if I broke the protective order, I, I could see jail time. And that, I mean, that I'm not made for jail. So that's terrifying. <laughs> Um, and it was also like, I know I hadn't told anyone what was happening. So that night I had to, I had to call my parents and tell them what had just happened. And that was, 
the hardest phone call I have ever made. And I knew from that moment on, once I told my parents, my big brother, big sister, my best friends, that even if I had any type of inkling that to go back, there is no way they would have, they would have kidnapped me and the kids and like put us in a house in Minnesota where no one could find us to prevent that from happening. And it was also, I, the events that happened, unfortunately, my children witnessed and they had effects from it. My, my five-year-old son at the time would ask me if he could have a, um, a fire extinguisher in his bedroom because he was worried about daddy coming back and setting the house on fire. My daughter slept every night in my room because she was scared. She was scared from the yelling is what she would say. And that, that mama bear kind of protectiveness kind of came out. And I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but it was like, it was one thing to do it to me. It was another thing for the kids to feel the effects. And that's when I was, there was, I was like, there's no, there's no turning back. I'm, I'm filing everything I have to and and getting the hell out of this marriage. Yeah, that's, that was what broke it for me too, is I kept conflicting. Like, do I stay because I don't want to break up a family? And then if I go, you know, then my daughter has a broken home and Mm -hmm. that that waking up moment was like, this is not what I want to model for her and thinking. I I used to say that too, like, this is not what I want my kids to think is a healthy relationship. But also for me, it came down to how do I protect them if I'm not there all the time? Yeah. And so this is interesting too. And I want to get your perspective of like, we should leave for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We should leave because we know that we're worthy of more, that we don't deserve to be treated this way. This, this is not healthy. Mm -hmm. But for both of us, it was our kids were that, that ticket out of there. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm out and have, have almost 10 years to reflect back on that, I can see so much of that goodness was for me. And that like, I am finally able to see who my true self is because I was able to get out of there, Mm -hmm. but I didn't put myself first for a very long time. Even after that, it was all about my daughter. Yeah. And it sounds like it was very similar to you Yeah, for a woman that doesn't have kids or even if she has kids, like, how do we spread that message that you're just as worth getting out of there and saving as your kids are. And at some point you have to be your own protector mm-hmm. while, you know, while you're protecting your kids, but you also have to protect yourself because how I am now, I wish I was this strong then because right? yeah, I, like God forbid someone raises their voice at me, like, yeah, I'm good. Who you are? Yeah, when they're done, that I am standing up for myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, when because I know in those moments too, because you care and you want to try, and they have you have your good days, they have their good days, and so you want to talk yourself into staying. For the woman that wants to feel that worth to get out and to also know that those good days aren't worth all of the bad days. What advice do you have for her? That's a really tough question. It really is. And 
you know, the logical part of me is, is saying, well, tell her she's worth it. And she's, but you're not in that position. If you truly believe that I felt like, first of all, I felt when we first got together, I was, I was ready. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have children. I had been a bridesmaid 10 times. I was done. I'm like, let's, let's get on. Like I'm ready to be the one in white. Um, and it, it wasn't until I was able to see the behavior reflected towards my children that I was able to see what was actually happening. So the, so the woman who is in the midst of it, listening to this, everybody is worthy of love and everybody is worthy of a true partnership. It's not some fairy tale far off land. It is you and I are both now in, and I think I can speak for you on this true partnerships, like with someone who is actually a teammate and someone who is your biggest, your biggest hype person, the person that's going to love you on your best days, on your good days. If someone said to me, actually it was one of my girlfriends found this on Instagram and it was, you know, those, those butterflies you feel in the beginning of a relationship, those aren't good. Those are, that's your body warning you, like something's not right. When you're, when you're with somebody you're truly supposed to be with, it should be comfortable. You should, you should know where you stand all the time. And, you know, if you ever doubt, if you should tell a family member, a friend, anyone about something that's going on in your relationship, that is an immediate red flag that you need to get out. If you're worried about telling someone about the person that you love, because you're worried they're going to judge you, get out of the relationship because that, that is a red flag. I was, I didn't tell anyone about the abuse or the anger, anything that was going on, because I knew the minute that I told my parents, my siblings, my friends, they would be coming from Philadelphia all the way to Virginia to get me out of that house. Um, so any type of like hesitancy, listen to your gut, listen to that hesitancy and lean on your support system. I'm so big on tuning into your intuition. And I, this is something that this has taken a decade of a journey and to finding myself after Mm -hmm. that. But these are, these are the reasons why we speak on this is because if we could tell ourselves 10 years ago or however long it was for you in that moment to have this wisdom and knowing like what we know now, I would have loved for somebody that, and I hate to say this because I don't want anybody else to have to experience this, but somebody that gets it, somebody that has gone through that to actually say what it's like, because like you, I didn't want to share anything with anybody because the people that I were speaking to cared about me, Mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't have tolerated that for me. And they were telling me what I already knew. And there were mm-hmm. friends that knew some, um, and my parents too knew a little bit just from like things that were said, you know, at family gets right. and things like that, but nothing over the top that would throw any red flags. But what they did know was just the skirt, the surface, you know, and right. even then they would tell me, you need to leave. You're not happy. And I'm sure they got sick of me calling and crying and, you know, cause I knew, mm-hmm. I knew yeah. but I couldn't. and they knew, but I wasn't going to do it until I had that moment of awakening. It's also the fear of being out of that relationship. Like the, you're so used to this. How are you going to function on your own? Not just financially, emotionally, like it's a, it's a lot to leave 
any relationship is a lot to leave an abusive relationship. And there was this great quote I saw one time and it was like, if you were, if you were telling your story, if your best friend was telling you your story, what would you say? And I remember I was still married at the time and thinking about my best friends since I was 12. And I'm like, she would, she would be down here in 30 seconds, gather me and my children up and probably threaten his life at least. Yeah. That's powerful. Cause we don't flip the script. You right. Know? And, and even though, like I said, I knew, and yeah. when you sit there and justify, I had this, uh, we had this incident where, um, words were my weapon because I had to defend myself and I wanted to give him as much pain as he was giving me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would throw a lot of daggers and one day it, we were, he was getting into me and I threw a dagger and he kicked my foot. And I never had broken a bone before. And I just knew in that instant, like it was not okay. Mm-hmm. And I drove myself to the ER. It was my right foot. I couldn't even put a flip-flop on. Um, when I got to the ER and they asked me what happened, I said, I was chasing my toddler around the living room and I snagged my toe on the coffee table. Mm-hmm. But we do think like that. And justifying until the day that I left. Yeah. We had an incident. I was pregnant with our son at the time and I had to parallel park. And I, for whatever reason, first of all, I'm not the best parker to begin with, but like (laughs) I couldn't. So he got in the car all pissed off and like zoomed backwards at, at high speed and ended up slamming into a car. But I was the one who called the insurance company and the person whose car we hit and claimed that I was the one who did it. Really, he was the one who was being verbally abusive to me while I was eight months pregnant. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's stuff like we, we justify these things in our head and looking back, we can want to just shake ourselves and be like, what are you doing? But, you know, I think there's also this level of, you know, you feel like, well, this is what I've chosen to be with. So this is. I've made my bed. You don't think about that. There is an alternative out there. And I don't, I haven't met anyone who has escaped an abusive relationship and regretted it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and escaped an abusive relationship hasn't regretted it. It isn't better off and completely and wholly themselves eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's the getting there. Yeah. And like you said, the the aftermath. And so how does a woman prepare? Like if she's at that breaking point and she just knows, um, but that fear, there's so much fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you said that you had a personal protective order and, you know, there's some things that you can put into place um, to kind of protect her when she is ready to leave. Mm -hmm. How does she go about that in a safe way um, that she can escape and not have to be worried about like her own safety or kid's safety or being manipulated back into. Right. I think when you're done, you're done. And before you're done, especially in a type of relationship like this, you have a plan in place. I remember reading, I think it was Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise. And she like had a separate apartment, a separate cell phone, and then just announced she was leaving. And then that was that. And I'm like, that was so smart. Um, 
relying on your inner circle. Everybody has at least someone that you can talk to, that you can help. And if you don't, there are a million organizations that are set up to help domestic violence victims. And they're, all of their websites have quick escapes and how to clear history if you're worried about putting it on your computer. Um, there is help out there. And I, I think that's what I didn't realize is how much help I would have once I left. I thought if I left, I was going to be on my own and I'm going to be, I was going to be destitute and, you know, work in the streets. And that was very much far from what happened to me. And, you know, it's, it's having the courage to tell one person, one person, one story, and then branching out to that, like one story one incident that, that something happens and then continuing that on. Yeah. That's a really good point because not only do you feel alone in thinking of leaving and being out there, but you're, you feel alone sometimes when you're in that relationship. Yeah. What? yeah I feel very alone. Yeah. And what helped you just like, what helped you to remind yourself of your truth and your beauty and the fact that you didn't deserve that life. Like, were there any little glimmers of light at the end of all that darkness that you kept reaching for, um, you know, to help the woman who's listening, maybe understand that one, she's not alone, but two, like, what are those little small sparks of hope that she can cling on to while she's going through that? Um, you know, I started to realize I remember distinctly, I was driving to work and the term gaslighting had just come up. It was the height of the Me Too movement. Um, and they were explaining gaslighting on the radio. And I had to pull over because I was crying so hard because I was like, this is what's happening to me. This is what's happening to me. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm in an abusive relationship. This is what's happening. What do I do? What can I do? And I started thinking about all the people that I knew would love me no matter what. And that's really what got me through. And it's what got, it still gets me through. I mean, my family, my friends swooped in and helped me from, you know, just being an ear to cry to in at 10 o'clock at night, crying that I was going to be alone forever. And I was never going to be able to raise two children. I'm, I'm in the suburbs of DC. It's very expensive here. It's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford this to, just coming over and being like, go upstairs and take a nap. I'm going to go make your kids dino nuggets. They're going to play with my kids. We're going to be fine. And it, it, you know, it's, it's things like that, that helped me remind, helped remind me that I am worthy of love and that I am, I am very loved. And, you know, actually like I, I am a really good person and all those things that he said to me, all those years that tore me down and tore my self-esteem that actually was a reflection of him. It wasn't me. It was his low self-esteem. It was him projecting his low self-esteem on me. I'm I'm not, I don't have low self-esteem. I'm a very confident woman. And it took a while to remind myself of that. But what kept me going was the people that surrounded me. I mean, I would not be here without my parents and my siblings and my friends. I really would not. Yeah. And it's hard it yeah. Rely on the people, rely yeah. on your people. And it's hard to humble yourself when you feel, yeah. because you feel ashamed, you know, anybody oh, that's yeah. been a victim of any sort of abuse, 
you feel guilty, you feel ashamed. And those are terrible feelings. Right. Uh, like how did I let this happen? Right. And especially like for you and I being confident, like yeah. I was so confident and I was still confident in the relationship, but I was mm-hmm. beaten down to a point where I didn't even care about myself anymore. You know, I didn't yeah. even recognize who I was. And then that moment I was just like, you know, in the last decade, it's like every day I, I recognize a little bit more of me and I'm like, there she is, mm-hmm. there she is. But where did she go all that time? And it was just, I unfortunately was being portrayed to be a person that I wasn't. And I became that person. Yeah. I completely lost myself. I mean, I think we all, to a certain degree, lose ourselves when we become mothers, because especially in the, like the newborn toddler years, because that is just a matter of survival. Yeah, and <laughs> so We're all just trying to survive <laughs> at that moment. But then couple that with an abusive relationship, who's tearing you down at the same time. I remember like looking at myself in the mirror and not even recognizing myself. I was like 30 pounds lighter and you know, just looked exhausted. And I was like, what, what, who is this person? Yeah. It's pretty scary when you can go back and see that, like you said, you just want to shake her and go, what, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, just go, it's going to be better. Just go. And that, you know, that really is what spurred me on to write a book because when I was in the middle of it, I just wanted to hear a story that was similar to mine to, to reassure me that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. And that's exactly why we do what we do is because yeah. my, my whole goal is to help one woman. If I can help one woman be out of that situation a lot faster than myself or help her mm-hmm. to even avoid that situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel good. I feel like what I went through is actually worth something because not only was I able to find myself and get myself and my daughter away from that, but I can share that and help other women. And I know that you're the same. Like I want you to um, tell us a little bit more about your book and how everybody can connect with you. If they feel like, you know, they definitely relate to what you're saying and they want to know more about you and how they can connect. Well, thank you. Um, It's amazing. Everybody should buy it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love it. Um, No, it's like I said, it's my memoir. It's how I'm I got into an abusive relationship, survived an abusive relationship and then escaped it. Cause you know, so many times I've gotten, well, how did you even get into this relationship? How did this even happen? And it's like, it wasn't overnight. It's not all of the sudden it was like rainbows and unicorns. And then he was beating me. That's not how that worked. It was like a slow, a slow chip. And it's, I'm, not famous. I'm an everyday person and I survived it. And I very much like you wrote it. So I could help just one person. If I can help one person with my story, then I've done my job. I've done my job. I've, because when I was going through it, I desperately wanted to hear that I was going to be okay. That's all I wanted to know. I wanted to know that I was going to be okay. And the closest thing I could find was there was a book that ended up being a Netflix show, but she ended up on food stamps. And that's such a shame. And I I feel for those people, but that wasn't me. And then the other one was Tina Turner, who again is amazing, but I'm not a multi-million dollar recording artist. (laughs) So I just, I I wanted to know I was going to be okay. And that's why I wrote this book and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple and Google. 
Yeah, I'll definitely drop the link in the show notes too. And thank you. That's a good point. Like, I, and those are my favorite books to read is because you can resonate with somebody who is like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can have a similar story and understand, empathize with that person. But, you know, you, it's really hard. Like you said, to relate to Tina Turner is, is yeah. like apples to oranges, even though you have that similar experience. So mm-hmm. I love that you have done that. Um, really quick before we go, I just want to ask you, do you have a favorite quote or a piece of advice that helped you through your journey? So I would have to say, and I think I said, I said it earlier in the show and it was something that someone sent to me recently and it was about, about those red flags. It was about those butterflies. And that really resonated with me, especially like during my abusive relationship, getting out of it. And then, you know, we could do a whole nother show about trying to date after an abusive relationship, but the, the butterflies that you feel they're your, those are your body's red flags. That's your gut telling you, this is not okay. This is not love. You need someone who is, you're going to feel completely comfortable. Those butterflies were taught that those are healthy and that those are a good thing. They're not, that is your body's first line of defense. That is a beautiful piece of advice. And the first time that I heard it was from you and it hit me completely differently because I can see that. Um, right. Like you meant to be, you should be so comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Think about like any past relationship or date you've ever been on. And you're like, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Think about that. Like mm-hmm. any time that you felt that how did it go? You know, yeah, exactly. you reflect back for sure. Um, and we can definitely do another episode on what it's like to date afterwards in the aftermath, because, it <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, honestly, like that initial, that initial afterwards, like the yeah. first six months was almost harder at times than actually being in the messy middle. And so I would love to invite you back and in, oh, I would love to. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being here. And like I said, I will drop all the contacts and the links in the show notes. So if you want to connect with her, you know how to do that. So thanks, Amanda. And we'll have you back soon. Thank you so much.